What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Let's face it, dealing with infertility and miscarriage can take a toll on our mental health. And when we're paying so much money to successfully start our family, we usually look for any way to save. I've partnered with BetterHelp, an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist based on your therapy needs and goals. And they're giving Life After Miscarriage listeners 10% off their first month when you sign up through betterhelp.com L-A-M. That's betterhelp.com lamb. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We have, Le- oh my gosh, <laughs> starting over. <laughs> Hello, everyone. We have Leandra Wade on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her, Leandra. I'm just going to toss it at you, start wherever you'd like this morning. Thanks, Shelly. So um, I know a lot of people thank you for doing this podcast, and I just want to echo that as well. Um, it's helped me a lot. Um, and I just found it after my second miscarriage. I wish I would have had it for after my first one, but, um, but yeah, so I'll start. Um, my husband and I met in March of, or, um, I'm sorry, February of 2011. Um, we, uh, met actually through mutual friends. So one of my friends was dating one of his friends and they thought we'd be a good match. We both had just gotten out of long-term relationships and, um, I wasn't really, I mean, I thought he was cute and stuff, but I wasn't really interested, you know, wasn't really looking for anything and he won me over. And so we've been together for nine and a half years now. So I guess I kind of like him now, but, um, <laughs> we got married in November of 2016. So we've lived together. Um, most of our relationship, we've moved in together probably about a year and a half, two years or so after we, um, started dating. So we've kind of been like a married couple for a long time. So whenever we got married, um, we were, you know, talking about having kids and I've never really been one to have baby fever per se. Um, you know, I mean, I knew I always wanted kids, but it wasn't like, you know, Oh my God, that baby's so cute. I need one right now. Um, but I, I just always knew I wanted them. So, um, we thought maybe we'd, you know, spend a year married and, uh, we actually had an anniversary trip planned for our first one year anniversary. And uh, we thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to conceive a baby on our anniversary. You know, that'd be pretty neat. And um, so I had my annual appointment in April of 2017. So it was about five, five or so months after we got married. And I talked to my doctor about it. And I just want to say I love my doctor. She's amazing. Um, and I'll, I'll talk more about her obviously later, but um, she's just awesome. But anyway, so she told me um, if we were looking at trying to conceive in November, I had been on birth control since, God, I mean, since I was probably a sophomore in high school, maybe junior in high school. So, I mean, forever. Um, so she told me to go ahead and stop taking my birth control and to start taking some prenatals. And I was like, okay, great. This is awesome. So a couple months later, still hadn't had a period. And I was like, well, this is kind of weird. And of course I Googled and uh, one of the top results was polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I was like, Oh, great. And, uh, one of my coworkers actually, um, at the time she had PCOS and, um, she had been trying to get pregnant for a while. And, um, you know, so I was terrified that, that was going to be us. And luckily she, um, actually just had, or she had a, she has a son that's, um, he's a little over two years old and she's pregnant with another one. So I'm so happy for her. But anyway, um, so I called my doctor and it was, it was about three months and, um, she said, okay, well, we'll give you some medication. I think it, um, Provera, you know, to start your period and, um, you'll, we'll have you come in for a day 12 ultrasound and just kind of see what's going on. So went in for an ultrasound and sure enough had PCOS. Um, so of course that news was really scary and really upsetting. I came home and just bawled my eyes out and, and like I said, I never had baby fever before, but after hearing, oh, you have PCOS, then it's, it's like a whole new um, experience. I was like obsessed with babies and okay, now we've got to have a baby. Um, so she told me that whenever we were ready to try, um, you know, we could start Clomid and 
and try that. Um, so I talked to my husband about it and he said, well, you know, I, I don't know, like talking about actually having a kid now is kind of scary. So we're like, well, we'll hold off for a little bit. And then September rolled around and we kind of talked about it a little bit more. And I was like, you know, it, since I have PCOS, it might take a little bit of time to get pregnant. And um, so we agreed, you know, we'd call the doctor. And so she called and, or I called her and she said um, to go ahead and take a pregnancy test, you know, just in case. And then, you know, obviously if it was negative, then we would start Provera. So um, went and bought a pregnancy test and it was that night I went and, and which is crazy because usually um, you take your tests in the morning, but I was like, well, I want to make sure that we get on a roll here. So um, took my pre pregnancy test at night, went in the bathroom. My husband and I were both like, oh, haha, I'm going to go take a test. And um, I looked down and it was positive. And my exact words were, holy fucking shit. And I just screamed it. And my husband yelled from the bedroom. He goes, no way. You're kidding me. Like, there's no, there's no way. And so I went out and showed him and it was positive. And it wasn't like a faint line positive. It was positive. So, um, you know, of course we were excited. He was a little nervous because, you know, neither one of us were expecting it, but we were also in the mindset of, yes, we're ready to start a family. So scheduled my ultrasound, um, for eight weeks when I checked the viability, um, we went in and of course we're excited and you know, this is our first pregnancy and um, you know, it's just really surreal kind of time and went into the ultrasound and um, the ultrasound tech was just being kind of quiet. And of course she asked me, you know, when my first period was and um, it was August 12th and we were in there sometime in September um, and she, or early October, I don't remember the timing, but um, she said, well, are you, are you sure you have your dates right? And I said, yeah, I, I know for sure because I had taken Provera to start it. And that's how we found out that I had PCOS and, um, you know, like, like I, I know when my last period was and she just kept accusing me of having my dates wrong. And I, I was like, no, I, I know exactly when, when I had it. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but she was just very rude about it. And, um, then she said that it was only measuring at five weeks. Uh, there was a little bit of a bleed in there. And so, and there, there was no heartbeat and um, she was just really hateful. And she was like, yeah, you're miscarrying. And I was like, what, what, what do you mean? And of course, you know, like I know about miscarriage. Um, my mom had one and, you know, like I know that they exist, but this was my first pregnancy. And I was like, and you know, we had, I had PCOS and we got pregnant so easy and, you know, without any help. So of course this was going to end up, you know, perfect. And, um, so she shuffled us over into the doctor's room or the exam room. And, um, at my doctor's office, I'm not sure if this is commonplace everywhere in the U S but, um, the nurse practitioner meets with you to verify viability. Um, so the nurse practitioner came in smiling saying, Oh, sorry. And I was sitting there bawling my eyes out. And my husband was so pissed because she had, she just, I don't know if she just didn't understand the situation or what. I mean, you would think she would because she's been doing this for a long time, but I don't know. We were so upset with the way she handled it. She never stopped smiling the whole time that we were talking. Um, she, and then she was like, okay, well, here are your options. You can uh, wait for it to happen or take the pill or we can do a DNC. And I'm like, well, hold on. Like, I, I just found out that this baby that we were planning for our lives is, is gone. And, you know, and, and of course this is my first pregnancy. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> are you, are you sure that this is what's happening? Because I mean, this is only the first time we've been in here and I, I do have PCOS. So maybe I just ovulated late, you know, and, um, she never offered any blood work, which I thought was, I mean, looking back now, I think that's weird. Um, I've, I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of a typical, you know, make sure their HCG is rising, but, um, you know, she never offered it and I didn't think about it. Cause again, I was my first pregnancy, so didn't think anything about it. And, um, so then she said, okay, well, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe you did ovulate late. So we'll just bring you in later this week and do another ultrasound. So unfortunately my husband had to work. Um, and so I went back in for my ultrasound by myself and it was the same tech. She was still kind of rude. And she, you know, searched for a while and then she's, she's like, well, there might be a heartbeat. I can't, I can't tell if it's yours or if it's, 
if it's the babies. And I'm like, how, how can you not tell? Like, that's kind of a big, big deal. And um, she said that she was measuring it at 89. And I'm thinking, well, I'm so stressed right now. That's probably mine. My heart rate's brightest up there. And um, I mean, she had me hold my breath and all that stuff. And she's like, I think there's a heartbeat. And I don't know. I don't know if there was, but so they obviously didn't give me any options at that point. They're like, well, we'll just bring you back next week and, and see what, um, see what's going on. So at this time I had told, you know, my boss and some of my coworkers, cause obviously I was an emotional wreck. Um, and, um, wasn't really, I was just very emotional at work and, um, it was really tough. I'd break down crying and I'm, I usually, I love makeup and I usually do my makeup like, you know, um, every single day for work and, I was coming in like looking pretty bad. <laughs> so they were like, what is going on with you? Um, so I told everybody and broke down and um, told them, you know, I'm, I'm miscarrying, but they don't know. And, you know, they're kind of going back and forth on whether or not it's happening. And during all this, my doctor, unfortunately, was on vacation. So I feel like I wouldn't have been as much in much limbo if she hadn't been on vacation, but that's just my luck. So, um, you know, I broke down to, and I, I told my best friends because obviously I needed their support. Um, and, uh, told my mom, but didn't really tell anybody else. Um, and my friends were amazing. They were really supportive and, you know, my friends at work were good too. Um, one of them actually told me about her experience having a miscarriage and we both just stood in my office and cried together. So, um, that was kind of therapeutic and, um, but anyway, so we went in the next week and, um, she, so my doctor was back and it, she said, well, she said, it's, it's difficult to tell because based on your first ultrasound, like it looks like it, you know, the baby's grown just a little bit. And this one, it looks like it's grown just a little bit, but I just, I want to have another ultrasound just to make sure. And she said, you know, I, I know that they said in your first one, there was bleeding. She said, that doesn't um, always bother me. That doesn't always mean it's been miscarriage. And I'm, after listening to this podcast, I'm assuming it was a, um, subchorionic hematoma, but that phrase was never used. Um, but that's just what I'm assuming based on what I've heard. Um, but, uh, she, so she said, we'll bring you in again. She said, I'm so, so sorry to do this to you. I know this is a roller coaster and I know this sucks. She said, but I just want to make sure I don't want to do anything in case it is a viable pregnancy and maybe you just ovulated late and maybe it's just not growing as fast. Maybe it'll catch up. So we went in later. Um, again, same, um, same tech and everything. And at this point I kind of, I, I kind of knew that it was going to end in miscarriage. I mean, the roller coaster of emotions, I was like, if I just, you know, expect it to be a miscarriage, then maybe it won't hurt as bad. So we went in and, um, and I had thought, thought about, you know, what options I wanted to do. And I was like, oh man, surgery is scary. I don't think I want to do the DNC and I definitely don't want to wait for it to happen. So I think we'll just take the medicine. I'll take a couple days off work. Um, at this point it was a Wednesday. So I took Thursday, Friday off. And I was like, yeah, that, that'd be fine. We'll pass, you know, everything and it'll be, you know, I'll be able to move on. So went in and they confirmed that it was not a viable pregnancy and she asked me, you know, what my option or about my options. And she even gave me some more time. She said, if you want to think about it, just let me know. She said, I'm also on call, um, this weekend. So if, you know, if everything doesn't come out or if the medicine doesn't work, then you can, you know, just call me up and we'll, we'll get you, get you in since I'm on call. So I thought that was really cool. Um, but, uh, again, I'd opted to take the medicine and I will never do that again. <laughs> it was miserable. Um, it happened pretty quickly. Um, as far as after I took the medicine, the contractions started happening and it, and I know there's been several people on this podcast that say their doctor told them it's going to be like a bad period and it's definitely not. And I agree. It is definitely not like a bad period. And I have PCOS. So like I've, I've had bad periods before whenever I actually do have them. Um, this was absolutely terrible. It was extremely painful. Um, so not only are you suffering emotionally, but you're in so much physical pain. And, and whenever I was contracting, I, this is so messed up thinking about it now, but I just remember thinking like, I deserve this for losing my baby. This is my fault. And I like, I just need to live in this pain because it, I deserve it. And I mean, I, again, that's just really dark, but that's kind of the mindset that I was in. 
Um, and I felt really bad because that weekend I was supposed to go on for a bachelorette party for one of my friends that was in her wedding. And I just knew I would not be able, like, I, I, I would not be able to support her and, and be there for her. I knew I would be emotional because we obviously would be drinking and I'd be upset because, oh, I'm able to have a drink. I should not be able to have a drink. I should be pregnant right now. And um, I just knew it, it was not going to end well. So I didn't go and I, I felt terrible. Um, I didn't really tell her what was going on until a couple weeks later. Um, but she understood and she was really supportive and everything. Um, but yeah, it was, it was rough. And, and my husband was like, well, maybe you should go. You need to kind of get your mind off of it. And I'm like, no, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be around people. I just want to sit on the couch and feel sorry for myself, basically. Like I, I don't want to do anything. So um, after all that, and there was, oh my gosh, there was so much blood and clots and stuff. And my doctor had told me like, you're not going to see anything that looks like a baby, which made me feel a little bit better. And I didn't, um, after hearing some of the stories, I feel like maybe I should have looked a little harder. Maybe I would have, but it's probably best that I didn't. Um, it probably would have just made things worse. And especially, um, well, further in my story, I, I wish I would have gotten a DNC, but, um, I'll get to that here in a second, but it's just, I thought that passing at home would make me feel better, but now I, I don't have anything really left of that pregnancy. I, I mean, I kept my pregnancy test. That's pretty much all I have from that. And it, I'm, I'm a very nostalgic person and, um, you know, so I'm kind of upset. I didn't have anything more from that, but anyway, so we waited a cycle, um, like recommended and she said, okay, so, you know, if we'll start Clomid, um, if you don't have another cycle, then, you know, we'll do Provera and then we'll do Clomid. So, um, you know, the first, first round we did 50 milligrams and she brought me in for a 12 week ultrasound to see if I had good follicles and I didn't. So immediately she was like, well, we're not going to wait, you know, for another cycle, we'll just go ahead and start Provera and get your cycle going again. Um, she said, there's no reason to wait and see if you'll have a period because you're not producing good follicles. So we're just going to jump into it. So did it again, hundred milligrams and that didn't work. And she said, okay, you know, this is our last um, dosage of this. And if, if this doesn't work, then we'll have to move on to something else. And I was like, oh, great. Of course. Like I'm going to, my friend at work had to do injections and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, God, I don't want to do that, but you know, I'll do whatever I need to, um, just wouldn't be ideal. So we did uh, 150 milligrams and went in for um, my 12 week or 12 day ultrasound and my follicles were measuring really good. Um, so I met with a nurse practitioner and it ended up being the same nurse practitioner and I was really upset. And I, so I didn't have many questions. I just wanted to get out of that room with that woman. I did. I do not like her. Even to this day, I still say I request the other nurse practitioner cause she's amazing. I always say, you know, if, if it's this person, I'm, I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to see her. Um, just because that experience was so bad. Um, she was just so insensitive and anyway, uh, I digress. So, um, so she said, you know, your follicles look good. Make sure you're having a lot of sex, um, you know, get sperm built up in there. And um, so I was like, okay, well, let's do this. So, um, you know, obviously we did. And um, I took, I waited, I didn't take an early test. I waited until the day um, that my period was supposed to be based on, you know, my first day of my period on a 28 day cycle and it was positive. So I was obviously cautiously excited. Um, you know, I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be good. Um, so I went in and, uh, I called my doctor and they checked my HCG and everything was good. All my levels were good. Um, and we actually repeated it a couple times cause she said, you know, I, I just want to make sure that like if your progesterone's low or something, we can definitely, um, you know, do something for that. So we'll just keep checking your HCG, see if it's okay. And everything was fine. Um, we went in for our eight week ultrasound and I just started bawling in the waiting room. We hadn't even gotten back to the office or to the ultrasound room yet. I just started crying. And of course my husband's like, oh my God, what is wrong? And I'm like, I just, I'm so scared. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm terrified. So we get back there and of course it's the same ultrasound tech. And, um, you know, she asked me what my date was and I was like, I know this date. I know what it was. So I told her and, um, so she, you know, started doing the ultrasound and, um, I, 
I, I can't read ultrasounds. I was trying to see if it looked different than the first one. And I just had no idea. Um, but she said, okay, so I see, I see one heartbeat. And my husband just looked at me and he was like, oh my God, is she about to say that she sees two? And she said, okay, and that's all. So he, you know, had a big sigh of relief. And I just, I mean, tears just came running down. I was so excited. I was so happy that it was a good one. Um, and she said, everything looks great. Perfect. You know, no issues. Uh, went in to see the nurse practitioner, which was a different nurse practitioner this time. So I love this one. She was so sweet. Um, and she actually does the parenting classes and stuff through the hospital that we um, ended up doing. But um, so she's just great. But um, so we were real excited um, with that pregnancy. I, I mean, it was perfect. I didn't really have a lot of symptoms. I'd get a little nauseous every once in a while, but I never threw up. I was never that uncomfortable. Um, I did always wake up at 3.30 in the morning, though, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I, I mean, and even whenever I got far enough along to where, you know, it, it could happen any time, um, everybody was like, oh, well, do you want to, what are you doing to try to induce labor? And I'm like, oh, nothing. No, he, he's fine. He's, he's staying in there. <laughs> um, we did have a gender reveal. We found out that he was a boy. Um, and actually it was kind of fun. We found out at the 18 week scan and, um, but we kept it a secret and told everybody we didn't know what it was, um, until his baby shower and we revealed it. And then we told everybody that we knew. So <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, but, uh, I mean, he, I mean, everything was perfect. We ended up, uh, I ended up being induced at 39 weeks because my doctor was going to be on vacation during like in between my 39 and 40 week time frame, So I was like, Oh my God, my doctor has to be there. I can't have anybody else. And not that, uh, I mean, all the doctors in that office are amazing, but I, I wanted my doctor, you know, she had been with me through all this and you know, I, I, I needed her to be there. So, um, and she had told me, you know, obviously like 39 weeks is a better time frame to be induced than 41 weeks or 40 weeks. She said, you know, there's studies to show that. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's great. So, and I'm a planner anyway, so that all worked out. And um, it was actually two days after um, my birthday. So his birthday is two days after mine, which is kind of cool. But um, we had, I mean, it was perfect delivery. Um, I mean, I made it to like six centimeters and uh, they came in and checked me and they're like, oh yeah, you're at six centimeters. And I was like, okay, yeah, we can go ahead and get the epidural because <laughs> the um, contractions had started. They were pretty bad. and. Um, I wasn't screaming or anything yet, but I was like, yeah, let's, let's just go ahead and, and take care of this. So, um, you know, had the epidural, had no issues with it. I know I've had friends that theirs either um, ran out, like they didn't replace the bag soon enough, or it just stopped. One of my friends said that her, she felt everything on her left side, um, but I didn't have that issue. I felt absolutely nothing. And it was funny, whenever they were doing the perennial massage, um, you know, I they were like, Oh, I'm so sorry if this hurts. And I was like, I seriously don't feel anything. I, <laughs> I'm perfectly fine. Like just keep doing whatever you're doing. I don't care. And, um, and then whenever they told me to start pushing, I was like, I think I'm pushing. Like I literally cannot feel anything down there. Um, so that was kind of, <laughs> that was kind of funny. My husband and I were joking the whole time I was pushing. Um, I was in labor for about 12 hours total from whenever I got in there and I had actually my, uh, started dilating before they gave me Pitocin. So that was kind of cool. So, um, you know, I was like, yeah, my body's made like for this, you know, to give birth and have babies and, um, you know, just that little hiccup of not getting pregnant. And, um, so anyway, he, so we ended up getting, I got the Paragard, um, cause I went in for, you know, my follow-up and I told her, I said, I, I do not want hormonal birth control. I have it in my head that that is what caused my PCOS. That's probably completely unreasonable and not sure at all or not true at all, but I, I just can't shake that thought. So I said, you know, do you, what, what are my options? And she said, well, we have, you know, the Paragard, it's a copper IUD. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. I don't know how that's supposed to work, but okay. Um, so I got the Paragard put in and, um, it actually hurt getting the IUD put in. Um, I don't, I wasn't expecting it. Like I, I, I'm usually pretty good with pain and I like to think of myself as a very good patient. Um, but I flinched so bad when they put it in and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry, but that <laughs> hurt like a bitch. But anyway, um, so I didn't have any issues with the care guard and actually, so I was breastfeeding my son, so I didn't have a period for a while, but, 
um, whenever I did, they started to be regular, which I thought was really interesting, especially since it wasn't a hormonal birth control. Um, so I thought, well, maybe, you know, after having my son, my, um, you know, my body's kind of figuring out what to do and maybe it's getting back on track. So, um, my son will be two in November. So last fall, um, my husband and I were talking and we're like, you know, when do we want to have another baby? Cause I, I mean, I want four, <laughs> he wants two. So we'll just kind of see where that number lands, but, um, we definitely knew we wanted more than one. Um, so I said, you know, I kind of would like to have him close in age. Um, you know, I was close in age with my older sister and you know, we were best friends for a while. Um, you know, I just thought it would be good for him. So, especially cause at daycare, he doesn't like to share. So he needs to learn to share, but, um, <laughs> So we decided, yeah, we'll have another one. Um, we'll get, uh, and I told him, I said that, you know, we may have to do Clomid again. We, it may take us a little bit. So maybe we need to get, get it out sooner rather than later. So I went in March, right whenever COVID started happening um, to get my IUD removed. And I think it was March 17th that I got it out because March 18th was when they started not, um, when they started being really picky about who was coming in for, um, appointments and stuff and like elective things. And I'm sure, I don't know, but I'm sure this would have been considered an elective thing. So I'm really glad that we were able to get it out before everything hit. So, um, got it taken out and we decided, you know, we were kind of looking at my periods when they started and, you know, a potential due date. And if we had conceived that cycle, um, then we would have had a December baby and, and we're like, oh, that's probably not good timing because November is my birthday, my son's birthday, Thanksgiving, and our wedding anniversary. And then, of course, December, you have Christmas and all that stuff. So we were like, maybe we should just wait another cycle, have a January baby, um, you know, after the holidays, then it's something to look forward to, you know, and just had all these plans. Um, so we did that. We waited. And then the next cycle we tried. And um, I took a test. I think it was two days early and it was pregnant was positive. So, um, I was like, okay, great. Um, so based on my last period, my due date should have been January 17th. So, um, I called the doctor's office and we did the HCG draws. We um, did all the blood work. Um, everything was fine. Everything was rising appropriately. My progesterone was good. And I was like, okay, this is great. Like we've, we had our one miscarriage, so we're done. You know, we, we had a healthy, beautiful baby boy, and now we're pregnant again. My HCG is great. This is going to be awesome. You know, no more heartbreak. Like this is what it is. So we went in for um, our eight week ultrasound and naively optimistic and um, should have been eight weeks in one day, but I was measuring at five weeks and six days. So again, my heart just sank. I was like, not again, this can't happen again. And they did find a heartbeat this time. Um, and uh, so the ultrasound tech, she said it was 103, which is normal for that time. She said, you know, the heart may have just started beating today. Um, and this was a different ultrasound tech. I actually haven't seen the other one since she confirmed that we had a viable pregnancy with my son. So I find that interesting. I never complained about her, but I'm wondering if she had kind of the same issues with other people. Um, but anyway, I'm glad she's not there anymore because she was mean. But uh, again, we thought, well, you know, there is a heartbeat this time, which is different. So, um, you know, maybe everything will be okay. And um, so they adjusted my due date to February 2nd. And I was like, okay, February 2nd, that's great. One of my best friends, her baby was just born in February. Like they'd be kind of close in age too. So that'd be kind of cool. And, um, so they said, okay, we'll bring you in for another ultrasound next week, just to make sure things are progressing like they should. And of course that next week we were supposed to be in Gatlinburg. Um, so this was in June and she said, well, dang it. So <laughs> she said, okay, well, we'll schedule you whenever you come back. So it was two weeks later. Um, we, you know, we went to Gatlinburg, we had a good time. Um, I avoided all the alcohol, <laughs> Um, and I felt so nauseous. I had been so nauseous pretty much this whole pregnancy. And I was like, okay, well, this is a good sign. Cause with my first miscarriage, I didn't really have any symptoms at all. Um, which I didn't realize was a bad thing. I thought I was just lucky. Um, 
so with this one, I was like, okay, yeah, that's, you know, there's a heartbeat. We, I just probably ovulated late and we, um, you know, I've, I've had all these symptoms, so it, it'll be fine. So, um, and I had talked to my husband about it. I said, you know, if, if this does end in miscarriage, I, I don't want to do the pill again. I said, I do want to have a DNC. And, you know, he's like, okay, that's totally fine. You know, I'm supportive of whatever you want to do. So um, we went back two weeks later and there wasn't a heartbeat. It had only grown to six weeks in two days. So it was, it was devastating. I mean, I, I feel like I kind of wanted to expect it so I wouldn't be as upset about it, but I just couldn't, I don't know. I, I just, I mean, you can't prepare enough for it, I guess. I don't know. And I thought, well, I've been through this before. I'll be okay. You know, I'll, I'll get over it faster because this is the second time. You know, I do have a son. He's, you know, perfectly fine. And maybe, you know, everything will be okay. So we'll just do the DNC and all that. So my doctor came in and of course was, she's just fantastic. She sat down. She doesn't say any of the things that make you cringe. She says all the things that, you know, like I would tell someone, you know, she says like, this just sucks. It sucks. And I'm sorry. And, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it. She said, I, I thought it was going to be viable because it was, you know, there was a heartbeat and there wasn't one the last time. And, and she said, you know, I am, I'm just very sorry. And she said, I know that, you know, she has gone through it too. So I think that's why she's so good at empathizing with you. Um, but she said, you know, it, it's just one of those things. And she said, you know, we're, we're going to, move on from this and it'll be okay. We're, we're going to get you pregnant again. So she, you know, said, here's your options. Take the day, think about it. Let me know what you want to do and just give me a call. And I said, no, I've, I've already thought about it and I do want to do a DNC. And she said, okay, that's perfectly fine. She said, that's what I would recommend. Um, that's what she's had with her, you know, two miscarriages. So she, um, and they have like a, a door in the back of the office that leads out she said, you know, do you guys want to go the back way? Because if you go back out through the lobby, there's all these pregnant women and it's just another trigger. (laughs) You see all these people and you're like, why can't that be me? Um, So she brought us out the back way. And of course I'm bawling my eyes out and um, I go home and, and my husband said, you know, just go get in the bath, get a beer or whatever. Like I'll take care of our son and, Um, you know, you just take your time that you need and just focus on you, which was super helpful. He's, he's such a good guy. Um, although I found out, you know, that actually spending time with my son made me feel a little bit better, but, um, but I also wanted to make sure that I grieved this baby too. You know, it's, I mean, even though it wasn't, you know, born or here, it it was still my baby and, you know, I want to make sure I give it the respect it deserves, you know? Um, and, um, so we, so they told me that they were going to call me and schedule an appointment for, um, a DNC. And luckily they called me, oh gosh, maybe like two hours after I left the office and said, Hey, we've got a spot open for noon tomorrow. And I was like, perfect. I'll take it. I just wanted to get it done and over with. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I wanted to be able to move on. So, um, it's just, it's so frustrating because I've had three pregnancies now and only one baby to show for it. And I know there's other people that, you know, have so many more miscarriages and so many more, um, you know, issues and they don't have any babies, but it's just frustrating. And especially, I know other people will agree seeing all these people that don't take care of their kids or they just get knocked up so easily. And it's just so frustrating, but, um, but anyway, so um, went in for uh, my DNC and with the, COVID pandemic, my husband was not able to come with me, which was so upsetting um, because he's my best friend. And we, I mean, he's just an amazing support system. So it really sucked not having him there. Um, he was able to come in like just for the registration portion, but then whenever they took me back, you know, he had to leave. But um, so we went in to register or sign in and I was fine. I was just sitting there, um, just kind of, you know, glazed over. And all she did was say, okay, what's, what's your name? I told her my name. What's your social? And I just started bawling and she started crying too. And she's like, I'm so sorry. She said, I know this is tough. And I was like, it's not even like you asked me like why I'm here or anything. You asked me for my social and I'm just 
significantly bursting into tears. Um, but so of course, as she's asking me questions, I just, I can't stop crying. And, um, you know, I finally calmed down and whenever we got out of the room and, um, and then of course we all have to wear those stupid masks and that's really sucky whenever you're crying and you've got snot running down your face and that just sucks. But, um, so the nurse called me back and, um, you know, told my husband, I'm so sorry, but you can't go back there. And, um, that was just really hard. And, um, so of course I started crying again then, and, um, she took me back into, you know, one of the rooms and, uh, you know, had me sit down all my stuff. And then she took me to the bathroom and, you know, they explained, you've got to, um, you know, obviously undress and wipe down with these special cloths and put on your gown and all that. And, um, as she's explaining it, I'm just tearing up. And so she comes in the room, she closes the door and she just gives me a huge hug. And she said, I am so sorry that you were having to go through this. She said, and it just makes it that much worse that your husband can't be here for you. And she just kept apologizing. She said, you know, I've, I've been through it too. You know, luckily for me, my husband was able to come. So since you don't have that support, I'm going to be your support. And I made, she was just amazing. I made sure to give her a really good review. Um, whenever I gave you the hospital survey, of course I left out the part that, you know, she hugged me cause I didn't want to get her in trouble, but <laughs> Um, you know, she probably wasn't supposed to do that with uh, COVID happening, but it's just that, I just love that, um, that hospital. They're just amazing. Um, except that nurse practitioner. So I don't like, but, um, so she, you know, gave me a hug and said, you know, I just, I, I know what you're going through. We're, we're going to get through this. It'll be okay. And, um, so I, you know, that made me feel a little bit better. I got down and, um, or, you know, finished dressing and all that stuff and got ready and, um, walked back out to the room and, um, we sat there and of course she's going through, you know, all the paperwork, all the questions, all that stuff. And I've heard some people say that, um, whenever they go in for their DNC, they constantly ask them why they're there and no one asked me that. So I, I don't know if maybe my hospital is just more, um, sensitive about that. Or what? I mean, they just asked me my name and date of birth, which, you know, was perfectly fine. So um, I am thankful for that, especially after hearing how other people's experiences were. Um, so uh, they came in, did blood work, all that good stuff. And we just sat there and talked for several minutes. Um, she said, you know, I've, I've had several myself and, you know, some were a little bit further along and um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really difficult. And, um, you know, we just kind of talked about our stories. And then she said, you know, with state laws, um, we're in Indiana. She said the, she said the products of conception and she looked at me and said, or the baby, she said, some people prefer one phrase. Others, you know, want to think of it more scientifically. Some, you know, they want that sentimental, um, you know, baby thought. And I said, yeah, ba baby's fine. Um, so I, I'm glad that she acknowledged that, you know, she's not just scientific. She's, you know, she throws it out there that way you can kind of determine, you know, what, what direction you want to take as far as the conversation with that. So that was really refreshing. Um, but she said, um, that there's a local funeral home that collects, you know, the babies from miscarriage um, and they do a cremation and they have a burial site in the cemetery. Um, and they do that a few times a year. So the next one will be in October, which will be when our baby is um, done. So we'll, um, we'll, I've already registered to go to that. So I am so thankful that they do that because like I said, the first, my first miscarriage, I, I don't have anything. I don't have any, I mean, I can, I guess I can go to my toilet and <laughs> talk to my baby. I don't know, but, um, it's nice to, have somewhere to go and and I think being in a cemetery just makes it that much more real like yes this was this was a baby and it you know it, it was a part of our life and you know we're able to respect it and, and acknowledge it so I think that's really helpful that's amazing that they do that I'm very grateful um so uh the DNC itself was super quick I mean it was probably 15 20 minutes um you know, and, and before that, my doctor came in, of course, and she was, again, very sympathetic and amazing. And the nurse actually stayed with me most of the time. I don't know if, 
I don't know if they normally spend that much time with you, but she spent a lot of time with me and we just sat there and talked and um, she let me cry and it was just amazing. So she was, she was a great support, especially since my husband couldn't be there. So um, my doctor came in and again, was very supportive. Um, she was just fantastic. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was really quick. Um, and then it was kind of weird because I woke up and they, I, I mean, it kind of felt like they were rushing me out. Not that I didn't want to get out of there, but it just felt like they're like, okay, you're up, you're moving, you're good, let's go. And um, I don't know. I, it just felt kind of weird. Like, okay, but I got all this special treatment before and now that it's over, it's like, okay, get out. <laughs> but again, I, I, I wanted to get out of there anyway. But um, um, yeah, it was, it was just kind of awkward, I guess. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of bleeding didn't have a lot of cramping. Um, and then by the next day I felt perfectly fine physically. And I did take a couple days off work. Um, I will say I was not expecting this. My legs were so sore after having my DNC like that night, it kept me up all night because my legs were so sore. It wasn't even like the cramping and bleeding and stuff. My legs just hurt. And I, I wasn't sure why. So of course I'm looking on you know, my baby apps and all that. And, um, people are saying, you know, cause you're kind of, your legs are up in stirrups basically whenever they're doing this DNC and you've got all that dead weight, you know, just with your legs cause you're out. So I thought, well, maybe that's probably why my legs hurt so bad, but, um, but yeah, it was just really weird and I wasn't expecting that. And then I guess, um, I was really tingly in my arms and legs and I'm assuming that was from the anesthesia, but then it was fine, you know, 12 hours later. So, um, but yeah, I thought, okay, I have been through this, you know, it's done, it's over, I can move on. And I've actually been struggling with it a lot more than I thought I would. I thought, okay, I've been through this before and, you know, we'll, we'll just get back on track, but it's, it's actually been harder. Um, and so this podcast has helped me so much with it. Um, so I went to my, uh, two week follow-up and, um, you know, talked to her and, talked to my doctor and she said, you know, we'll, um, we'll do, she said, you, we, we can do genetic testing if you want. She said, you've had two miscarriages, even though they weren't consecutive. And even though you've had a healthy baby, you've had two, I'm willing to do testing if you want to do it. And again, after listening to this podcast, I realized that like, she's a saint. <laughs> There's so many doctors that would say, no, they've either got to be consecutive or you need three. Um, but she just, she's just amazing. And I said, well, I asked her, you know, if that was going to delay us getting pregnant again. And she said, yes, because you have to wait six weeks from the procedure to um, be able to do anything. And, and, you know, we can't be using Clomid during that time because we're going to be checking your levels and um, your hormones and all that stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it just, it wouldn't be good to get pregnant in that time frame. And so I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe if I have another one, then we'll do the testing. And, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm very confident that if you have another one, it, it'll be fine. Um, she said, you know, you've had a healthy baby. I, I, she didn't use the term bad luck, but I feel like that's what she was getting at. And I'm glad she didn't use it because it probably would have just upset me again. She just, she always knows what to say. Um, and she's, you know, but she said, but if you want to do it, we will. And I said, okay, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll try again. We'll just see how it goes. So of course I was cleared to have sex and all that. Um, and I thought I would be ready and I was not, we would try to be intimate and I would just start bawling. Um, I mean, even if, even if it wasn't sex related, if my husband just hugged me too long or kissed me too many times, I would just start bawling. Just tears would just be pouring out of my eyes. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it, and I thought maybe, you know, just the intimacy was triggering me because it's like, okay, we got to do this again and, you know, hope that it doesn't end badly. Um, of course my husband was super supportive and he never pressured me or anything. Um, you know, he's just amazing. And I always asked him, I, I like to check in on him too, because, you know, he's experiencing it as well. Maybe not to the extent or as much as I am, but it's still, you know, his baby that he lost as well. And, and he just, you know, kept telling me, I'm just worried about you. I just want to make sure you're okay. Um, so we have gone to premarital counseling um, and we've gone to counseling a few times since we've been married. We think counseling is more of a proactive step to, you know, make sure you're maintaining a good marriage. We don't see it as like you're, a last resort, you know, so 
we're very um, pro counseling. So I was like, you know, maybe we need to go just to kind of talk it out. Not that we were having problems or anything, but just again, just to be proactive and just talk it out. So, um, you know, I kind of went through my story, told her from um, the beginning, of course, not in as much detail, but um, kind of told her what we had gone through and just getting it out felt so good. It felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. And that's actually why I decided to come on this podcast because it's, it just makes you feel so much better. And I would encourage other people to do the same. Um, so we, um, talked through it and she said, you know, I think, you know, after hearing you talk, it sounds like you're so focused on trying to fix it, that you are like fix the situation that you're not focusing on your healing and your grieving. And that really resonated with me because I am that way. I, I just want things to get better. I don't have the patience for it. I just want it to get better. And I, I just want to get pregnant again. Um, and so that really, I took that to heart. And she said, um, you know, that I was breaking down when we were intimate because I was vulnerable in that moment. And she said, you still have all these emotions that you have not been sharing, that you haven't been letting yourself experience. And so whenever you're with your husband, who's your safe place, they just come out and that's, that's what's happening. And that made so much sense to me. And um, so again, talking to them just, or talking to her just really helped and um, she said, you know, we, so we got to talking about some other things and she was just watching us interact with each other. And she said, you know, as you guys sit here and talk, like you're just talking and joking and I can just see such a difference in you. She said, you need to just be more in the moment. You need to stop worrying about fixing it and trying to make things better and just be in the moment. And again, I, I've been working on that. <laughs> it's more difficult now that I've had my cycle and, you know, we, I've done Clomid. I'm in the two week wait now. And it's frustrating to just live in the moment, but I've really been trying to, um, I really think that was great advice. Um, so as far as, um, you know, commemorating our miscarriages, I know I've heard some people say that they, um, you know, do, they get plants or something and I kill every single plant that I get. So I was like, I'm definitely not going to get a plant. Even Oh my gosh, even after my first miscarriage, my mom brought me some mums, um, you know, just to make me feel better. And I killed them. So I was like, okay, I definitely, I don't want to plant any plants. Um, I'm just terrible with them. So I ended up um, looking on Etsy and I found a birthstone bracelet. It's just a sterling silver chain with two birthstones on it. So I got one for October, which was my first miscarriage. Um, and then one for June, which was the second one. Um, so that made me feel a lot better. And I, it's kind of cool. I have a silver necklace, like a bar necklace with uh, my son's name and his birth weight and, you know, all his measurements and stuff on it. So since they're both silver, you know, I wear them together and it just, I just, I feel more complete, you know, so that's helped a lot. Um, and something else I forgot to mention, whenever you find out you're pregnant and you download all those baby apps, and you're so excited. You read every single day. If there's anything new on there every week, you're just anticipating all the different changes and all that. And to have to go in and mark, I've experienced a loss. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, I mean, it's a whole, it's, it's, it just sucks. It just really sucks. But, you know, again, we're in the two week wait now. And I'm so mad at myself because I think I took my Clomid too early. I, so we, took Provera and I started spotting, um, a little bit and I have never spotted with my periods. And so I called my doctor and I'm like, do I, so when do I start my Clomid? And they're like, well, if you continue to spot and then it turns into a full blown period, then yeah, you can go ahead and take it day three and, or you can take it day five. We've, you know, had some studies show that day five is still safe. And I ended up taking it the very first day of my full blown period. And now I'm like, shit, I probably should have done it. So I don't even know if it worked. We'll see. And I'm so frustrated because I was supposed to go in for a 12 day ultrasound and then I got exposed to COVID. So I couldn't go in. Luckily I tested negative, but they wouldn't let me come in. And I was like, damn it. So just kind of in limbo right now. And hopefully I can take a test next week and it'll be positive. Fingers crossed, but that's where we're at. And we'll all have our fingers crossed too. Thank you. <laughs> yes. You'll have to keep us posted. And now I always like to end every episode with one piece of advice that you have for somebody else in a similar situation, what would that be? I think it would be, um, 
allow your, and I know this has been said before, but just allow yourself to grieve. It's, it's not linear. You're going to have good days and bad days. Um, One thing that's helped me is just like, you know, like the therapist said, um, being vulnerable with my husband, um, you know, find that person that you're vulnerable with and that you can experience and express that emotion with. Um, I think it just makes that much of a difference. And of course, listening to podcasts and, um, you know, sharing, sharing your story is super helpful. It, it just makes such a difference and it's crazy. You think you'd want to hide it, but (laughs) it actually feels better to just get it all out. Absolutely. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Probably Instagram. Um, my Facebook is private, so Instagram would probably be the best option. Okay. And I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you and Thank you. best of luck moving forward. Like I said, you'll have to keep us posted. Absolutely. Definitely will. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Oh, 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 oh,